Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning, good morning. It's the 27th of July, 2022. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to... Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio, the Faith Radio Network. Um, love to know that you're listening today and where you're listening. You can always text me during the show, 877-933-2484. Also encourage you to check out everything available for you at MyFaithRadio.com. If you've um, if you've never gotten a welcome pack, there's a it's kind of a fun thing to, to check in on. Or maybe you've not signed up yet for our biggest book bundle giveaway ever we want you to bundle up for summer we are bundling up stacks of books and shipping them out and so uh, you can go to myfaithradio.com and participate in that as well Um, so headlines we talk about applying the mind of christ to the headlines or the issues of the day and it occurred to me um, last evening that the headlines for each one of us in terms of what is pressing in upon us, that which we are most concerned about are different. Like, right, the headlines you're concerned about may be different than the headlines I'm concerned about because we tend to be concerned about that which touches us most closely. Like it resonates with us for some reason. And so today it might be travel mercies. You might be concerned about whether or not you can get through I-70 going, uh, you know, through Missouri uh, into Kansas because of yesterday's historic flooding in St. Louis, or maybe you're concerned about um, headlines related to air traffic because you have a vacation planned, or maybe you're concerned um, that the Fed is likely to raise interest rates again today, maybe by a full three quarters of a point, or maybe by a point, because you've got some, you know, plans related to buying a house, you've got some plans related to, you know, sending your kid to college, Um, you got bills to pay, you're worried about inflation. Maybe the headlines that you're most concerned about today are intensely personal. Maybe you've had a medical test and you're, you're awaiting news related to that. I can tell you pretty much nothing else is going to have your attention until you get that news. Um, physical pain plays the same way. Like if you're in physical pain, it's hard to pay attention to anything else. It's almost impossible. Grief longing. Um, And so when we turn to the headlines of the day, I recognize that every one of us has like something different that we're deeply concerned about today. And so um, just know that I'm intensely aware of that. And so when we come to these conversations, I do so um, desiring that you would be you know, the most well-informed person in the conversations of the day. And sometimes that means we roam across a range of headlines that don't include the ones about which you're most concerned. And so I do get that. I do get that. Um, There has been a big change in language, but the language that has experienced the big change is actually American Sign Language. I want you to consider for a moment that some of the signs for words that are used are now... um, 
well, they're archaic. So imagine how you would have, what kind of sign you would have used for a telephone, how you would have communicated to someone else visually that you, that you were talking about talking on the phone. What might have been the sign, the physical sign that you would have given to a person who's, who can't hear that, you know, you're talking on the phone? Well, might have been a phone that you were holding in your hand like a candlestick and then sticking, uh, you know, the, the hearing part in your ear. Okay, that's not how we give the signal for a phone anymore. I mean, maybe if you're like me, you, uh, you make the, basically the sign that the hang 10 sign, but you turn it towards your ear and your mouth. I, you know, maybe that's the telephone sign today. So the American Sign Language has, uh, has changed over time as technology has changed over time and that might provoke an interesting conversation particularly with your worship leaders in places um, where you're worshiping and serving here's another one this is a bit of a strange random headline today klondike is discontinuing the choco taco after nearly 40 years klondike is discontinuing the choco no. taco no <laughs> Paul, it's also yeah. National Take Your Houseplant for a Walk Day. Oh, there you go. I yeah. Know. There you go. I just, it's just, you know, there's all kinds of things going on. All right. We are going to um, be joined here by Heather Zeiger in just a moment. She's a science writer. And, you know, I just save up all my science headlines for her. She's going to help us understand why we are having such extreme Western wildfires. Um, we're going to talk about that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Heather Zeiger is back. She's a freelance science writer out of Dallas, Texas. She's a research analyst with the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. And she's gracious enough to keep come, coming back and talking with me about things I probably should have learned in seventh grade. So, Heather, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, Carmen. Good to be back with you. Hot topic. Hot topic today, not the Choco Taco discontinuation, but the fires in the Western United States. Can you talk with us a little bit about what's going on? Yeah, so um, it's fire season this time of year. And so you have uh, several active fires going on, including in my home state of Texas. Uh, if you go to a website, yes, fire one weather. from like Al- a lawnmower. One, one from like yes. a lawnmower and one from maybe yes. a kitchen fire. But like 26 homes. I mean, like it's a lot of people losing their homes in some of these places. Yes. So the Balch Springs fire is actually very close to the Dallas area. And it's uh, had to do with somebody didn't cut the grass. They didn't mow the grass properly and let it overgrow in some field. And then of course it's so dry. We're in, you know, extreme drought conditions this time of year and somebody's mowing a lawn and a spark flies and you have, um, I think it was, yeah, 26 homes that were destroyed. But it's yeah, amazing. if you go, if you go, there's actually several, uh, there's a website, fireweatheravalanche.org. You can see all of the active fires going on. And so like right now, California has the Oak fire, which is covering like 18,000 acres or something like that. Um, The big thing to remember, though, is that, well, first of all, fires and forest fires are not necessarily a bad thing or an unnatural thing, which is a little counterintuitive because um, I don't know about you, but I, when I was growing up, I remember Smokey the Bear telling me you, only mm-hmm. you can prevent forest fires. And the idea was that all fires were caused by accidents like the Balch Springs fire. 
Um, but it turns out that there's actually a natural pattern of natural forest fires that goes on. And what that does is it burns the underbrush without burning the trees. So it turns out counterintuitively, these natural fires prevent these huge wildfires from happening because it burns out the underbrush. Um, so certain kinds of good forestry stewardship would be like um, having controlled fires and having proper logging and understanding the complexities of the forest ecosystem. I would put this under the idea of good stewardship. And I think Wendell Berry writes a little bit about this. The problem is these forest fires have gotten much more severe in the last few years. Um, weirdly, the 20th century, we did not have a lot of these naturally occurring forest fires. And then now we're seeing more forest fires and they're much more extreme. Um, the factors for that, there's several factors for that. It's, that's a little more complex because ecosystems are complex. Some of it does have to do with mismanagement. Uh, I would say some of it, I, my, my husband, he teaches environmental science. He said some of it has to do with bug populations and how those are changing patterns, which isn't something I would have thought about. And some of it does have to do with changes in the climate, which whatever, you know, the causes of climate change, that's the, can be debatable. That's a little harder to pin down, but we are seeing some of these effects like longer drought times or more extreme drought conditions, which of course make things drier and more flammable. It's interesting when we talk about drought and we talk about, you know, the preparation for living, um, you know, living during long periods of time when it's not the time for gathering in, right? So you hope you have stored up enough in your barns or maybe you have enough in your barns to share with your neighbors. Um, we certainly have have long extended passages of scripture related to drought, related to famine, and related to sharing with neighbors, even neighboring countries when they are in need. Um, and mm -hmm. so I do think that when we have these conversations, like there are resources that we have to turn to as people of faith. Um, and yet there are things that are happening that I will just confess to you, like, like what is that? And how does that happen? Like fire tornadoes, whoever heard of a fire right. tornado? Like, but that's a thing. Right. Yeah. These are crazy. They're technically uh, called, they're a plume driven fire. And this is when this conf uh, confluence of circumstances of like wind, dry fuel from uh, sometimes from mismanagement of forestry, just sometimes from these drought conditions, the fire gets so hot that its own convective currents start shifting the winds and you essentially get this fire tornado, which consumes uh, very quickly. Um, I remember, I think it was in 2020, California had that huge fire tornado that just consumed the land much more rapidly. So it much, and it's much harder to predict where that fire will go and when this will happen. Yeah. We're going to continue our conversation with, uh, with Heather Zeiger here in just a moment. We're going to pivot, pivot. She's going to answer some questions about the lottery, mm -hmm. the mathematics and ethics of the lottery. Here's the headline. The Mega Millions jackpot uh, has now crossed a billion dollars because the grand prize um, apparently was not won last night. So there you go. If you bought a ticket, you don't need to look up the numbers because I'm telling you right now, nobody won. Um, Heather's going to talk with us about whether or not we ought to be buying tickets. All right. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. 
Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Talking with Heather Zeiger, she is a science writer. She's also an ethicist and um, and a smarty pants. So I'm asking Heather about the lottery. Um, it's up over, I don't know, the Mega Millions one is up over a billion dollars in terms of, um, I mean, it, that's that won't be the real payout. I don't know. It'll be something like half that if you take the cash option. But still, it seems like half a billion dollars is a lot of dollars. So talk with us about the lottery, because I think from the perspective of ethics, it tends to um, exploit poor people. And so I would love for you to talk with us about some of this today. Yeah. So, you know, the ethics of the lot of lotteries is a little bit hazy. And part of it is because it tends to exploit the poor because the people who tend to put money into the system to buy the tickets are people who are poor. Um, although with a billion dollars, I mean, that kind of means, I, I don't know about you, but most of us are not billionaires. So perhaps this increases there, but it still tends to exploit the poor. The other idea is that, uh, and this is the idea of virtues, it kind of promotes the idea of greed or lack mm-hmm, of contentment, definitely. as if money can somehow solve these problems. When in reality, if you look at the history of lottery winners, sometimes winning the lottery can actually create um more problems. So uh, to me, uh, and so this is hazy, even when the lottery, even when the money for the lottery goes to good things like education. So like, I think the Texas lottery, some portion of those funds go towards education. There's still just this idea of, is this really a good practice or not? Um, That's a little hazy. My view is, well, let's, let's have some good information so that you're not under any illusions that you will likely win the lottery because you probably won't. So just on the Mega Millions jackpot website, which this was not easy to find on their website, the chances of winning the Mega Millions jackpot is one in 302 million. So pretty low odds. They calculate that based on how that works is you have five, uh, I guess it's white balls with numbers one through 70. And then you have the mega ball, which is numbered one through 25. And so they calculate these odds. Um, If you wanted to try to game the system, and by every possible number combination, that would cost you $600 million. So don't know that that's really impossible for some people. So see, somebody's thinking to themselves, well, then I should do that because the payout for this one is going to be over a billion, but not really because, you know, after taxes and time value of money business, it's not. I mean, just saying like people, there's a mass conversation actually to be had here. Um, right. I'm not sure people play the lottery um, with math in mind. Um, uh, well, if it's right. math, it's just like their own math, right? They just want this for their own math. Um, uh, I mm-hmm. do think that, um, Heather, when we talk about this, we can bring, 
you know, a conversation about gambling in the Bible to bear, to mm-hmm. bear. There's not a conversation in the Bible about, you know, lotteries specifically, but there's a lot of talk right. in the Bible about gambling. There's also talk in the Bible about our relationship to money um, as people mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and where, where we're putting our trust. So thanks. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. your willingness to, you know, jump in on, on that. I, can I talk with you? Can you talk, explain, um, um, Zeno transplantation, because it's back in the headlines as well. What, what, what should I be thinking or how should I be thinking about the transplanting of animal organs into human beings? Right. So there was a recent, there was a recent highly experimental surgery, a 57 year old man. He had heart failure. He did not qualify to go on the organ transplantation list. So he agreed to do this experimental surgery where they took a pig heart And these are pigs that are specially genetically engineered and specially raised. It was a pig heart transplanted into his body. And it actually did relatively well. The man did end up dying two months later, but not necessarily from the pig heart. He had lots of other health issues. So this idea of animal to human organ transplantation or xenotransplantation, that's something that people have been interested in for a long time. But the problem is our immune system recognizes animal organs as foreign. And so it will attack those animal organs. So that's why they're now using these uh, genetically engineered pigs. And they use pigs because pig organs tend to be the right size uh, and, and they can raise pigs, right? So that, but they tend to be the right size for human beings. So they have like, I don't know, 10 different factors of, uh, that they have changed, modified in the pigs so that the human body doesn't attack it. Um, they've also done some good things with immunosuppressant drugs and just the way that they transport the pig heart helps preserve the heart better for transplantation. Okay. And then on an entirely different subject, which you brought to me and brought to my attention, I think, and I completely appreciate it because this is a conversation about batteries. And I have to tell you, I don't think a lot about batteries, but if I'm going to have an electric vehicle, then I got to start thinking about batteries. I don't really know why I can't just have the whole roof of my car be some sort of solar panel, but that might be a different conversation. What is the battery conversation going on? It has to do with Ford Motor Company, which, by the way, if I'm going to get an electric vehicle, it's going to be one of those cool um, Ford F-150s that the whole front is a trunk. How cool is that? It's like, I don't know, it's probably not called a trunk anymore, but, you know, there you go. So what's going on with Ford lithium batteries and now apparently batteries that are iron-based? Right. So Ford is working on a lithium iron phosphate battery, which is great because here's the thing with batteries, Carmen, is it's all about trade-offs. And so every time you're like, oh, this battery is really powerful. And so lithium is a highly reactive metal. So you can, you can do a lot with lithium. It's also very unstable and it's very expensive to deal with. And sometimes with other types of batteries or combination lithium ion and nickel metal batteries, you're using rare earth elements that are hard to mine. Um, especially with supply chain issues right now, if you have nickel cobalt batteries. So everything is trade-offs. How long does the battery last? How cheap is it? How much power do I have? Is the car going to work as well? Is it going to be powerful enough? So Ford has come up with this. They're partnering with another company in China because these uh, these batteries are used often in big cities. 
in China. So lithium, iron, phosphate, iron and phosphate are abundant in the earth. So these batteries are actually a little cheaper to make. And uh, you can combine them in such a way that you have pretty good power here. So they can drive on the road. They can act like a car. The one drawback, like I said, it's all trade-offs, is you can't take this car on long road trips because you need to recharge it too often. So it's great for in the city. So can't take your truck uh, across the country. Okay. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be the kind that can recharge my house. It can't. It's not that. Right. It's not gonna be that one that's gonna function as a whole house generator. All right, I'm waiting on that one because right, right. I live out in the boonies, yeah. man. Okay. So all right, we're gonna have to leave it right there. Although I do feel like this has got science fair written all over it. So if you're listening right now and you're thinking about a science fair project, um, this would be a really good one. Maybe you could figure out how to develop a battery that, uh, yeah, I don't know, it comes from something we don't have to dig up out of the earth. There you go. Heather, as always, thank you so much. It's a delight to talk with you, and I appreciate your willingness to, you know, reteach me the things I apparently didn't learn in school. It's fun. Thanks, Carmen. It's a delight. That's Heather Zeiger. You can find her at heatherzeiger.com. Listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Because I'm just a nobody. We're trying to tell everybody. All about somebody who saved my soul. Don't you love a good story? I love a good story. I especially love a good story that tells the good news. So we're going to talk with Susan T. Moss next. She's got a brand new book out, We've Been There, True Stories, Surprising Insights, and Aha Moments for Adopted Teens. But Susan's got a story of her own that's well worth hearing. Hang tight for a good story about the good news. This is a new day. Everything first day with hope. Coming alive. Moment, moment. When we use the term adoption, we do so in a couple of different contexts and with different kinds of understanding. Each and every one of us who is a Christian, we are adopted into the family of faith. Um, by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, who is our elder brother. Um, but adoption has uh, a, a meaning in the culture and a meaning in the lives of individuals who are <clears throat> adopted into forever families. That's important, really, really important. And Susan T. Boss joins us now. She has her own story to tell, but she's also here to share with us the stories of others. The book is We've Been There, True Stories, Surprising Insights, and the Aha Moments for Adopted Teens. Susan, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good morning. Tell us a little bit of your own story um, and how it leads into the telling of these other stories. Um, so specifically, um, we adopted three children from Russia over a period of five years, um, and when we were when they were little i wrote a book um to help them understand their story and how important that would be you know just to acknowledge their history and their culture and so at one point we thought that um okay that's great they're gonna know where they came from and and that's a part of who they are well then they started growing up having a wonderful childhood and then they hit the teen years and um for us, our three teens, um, we have uh, two boys and um, a girl. They're not teens anymore. They just left the teen years. They're in their early 20s. But we started noticing 
behavioral challenges and some acting out and some things that didn't um, make sense to us. And so mm-hmm. for uh, for that that kind of triggered something in me that um, okay we need to to find out what's going on with other adapted teens and young adults and um, find out how they're navigating um, their separation wound and um, being adapted. So you started um, talking with adopted teenagers and young adults and you've had all kinds of conversations with um with a lot of them um more than 30 uh, whose conversations you chronicle in this book we've been there first of all tell us who i mean like if you were going to say right now these are the people who i want to have this book who are those people well, definitely young adults in the making, um, teens. I would say the book is appropriate ages 16 on up. And then um, parents can look at, you know, look at the stories, read the stories and decide perhaps if there are stories that um, are appropriate for younger teens um, and preteens because there are, but sometimes we want to make sure we have our eyes on what our kids are reading. Um, hmm. Well, the reason that I say that is we're going to give away some copies of the book today. Oh, and so I, yeah. I really I really want those people to text in for the book. So here's my here's my invitation today. If you have um, an adopted teen or an adopted young adult in your family or in your sphere of influence, you're the people we want to have this. We want your we want this book in your hands. So if that's you, if you. Um, are an adoptee and you're trying to understand your own experience and your own relationships, if you have an adopted child in your family who is a teenager or a young adult, we want you to text the word book to 877-933-2484 because we want you to have the copies that we have to give away of We've Been There, True Stories, Surprising Insights, and Aha Moments for Adopted Teens. Um, All right, so Susan, what did you um what did you learn when you got into these conversations with these more than 30 adopted teens and young adults? What were some of the aha moments you experienced? So I think one of the biggest ones is um just that there's such a range of responses um to that separation wound. Um doesn't matter how um young whether whether a child was adopted as an infant or a toddler or older five seven ten and on um it doesn't matter because there's a there's a range of responses and there's no real predictability so what i mean by that is some teens um respond with um okay yeah i'd love to know my adoption story you know i would love to know who my birth family is and maybe search and and that would be enough for them and then you can go on the other end of the spectrum of the continuum and you find um some teens and young adults with um mental health challenges just really um questioning their value and their worth um and whether they belong and then you have a bunch in between um so mostly you have you know on on this on the side of the range where uh, they're just questioning and wondering and have questions. Um, on the extreme side, there's, uh, you know, some that have um, challenges. So there, that was a big insight to make sure that we understand that not everybody responds the same. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and that as parents or therapists or anybody who loves and cares for an adopted um, young person knows that when this begins to bubble up or surface in them, whether it's in the way they are behaving or thinking, um, if that does bubble up, that's an if, um, that we're aware of that and we understand that something's going on in that and that draws compassion versus confusion. So section one of the book is dare to overcome wrestling is a part of life. I like, um, I like the way that it starts with a conversation in chapter one about being brave. Maybe, um, maybe tell us, uh, one of the stories, um, that stands out to you from this section of the book. Well, definitely the first one is, is they're all so good and they read so it's good warm and easy and and enjoyable but also they're very insightful and so um the first one um is of a of a guy who's um i'm talking to he's a college student and um he has social anxiety and that's uh, a part of just an underlying anxiety and so he has to still move through life and enjoy life and what he does is he's in college and He's a um, film and video, audio visual major, and he's in um, uh, trying to to get involved in that. And he he talks about that, and he talks about um, how he got up on stage with his dorm section and in a competition and 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 danced and um did you just got out of his his comfort zone trying to overcome his social anxiety and it takes a lot of bravery um one thing he did is in a film project as he was looking back at his baby pictures when he was first adopted and he was filming um, himself and he was talking to himself in the camera you know just talking to this little baby saying, you're going to be all right. It's going to be okay. And I just was stunned by that. I just loved how he was encouraging himself, um, going all the way back to his little, little baby self before he was even adopted. Then he talks about getting the results of a DNA test. Um, just, you know, (laughs) seeking to know a little bit more about himself, right? Like, I do think that there's some stuff in here that just is, these are the kinds of things that people wonder and people are working through um, and people are discovering about themselves. And it's um, it's it is this wonderful, fresh approach because you're just letting them tell us about themselves and their experience. And that's so sweet. Yeah, I think that, you know, none of it was. um staged it was all organic it was talking and allowing them to speak about um you know being a teen and that was the whole purpose of the book is kind of like a teen to teen mentored Mm -hmm. you know mentoring into the hearts of these younger younger kids who are who are possibly experiencing the same thing that they were and um i think it's interesting um big aha moment is these kids are not alone. I want them to read this book. So they realize I'm not alone that I have kindred spirits. They get me, they understand me. And with that comes peace. I mean, it doesn't fix things. You know, there's a lot of work sometimes for some kids, but in the end, if, if they know that there's others out there who are experiencing similar things, then that just feels good. And it's helpful and encouraging and hopeful. 
Um, talk about the varieties of places that these um, these people, I mean, they were born in a variety of places and spaces and locations, um, not only here in the United States, but around the world. And everybody's un- u- adoption story is unique. Their origin story is unique. And the, the challenges, feelings and experiences they've had throughout life as a person who maybe looks a little different than the family of which they are now a part, like, right? All of those things are a part of what's going on in these conversations, right? Um, absolutely. So I interviewed um, adoptees that um, were born in Vietnam, um, Ethiopia, um, Eastern Europe, South Korea, um, Guatemala, um, United States. And so, and it goes on. And it's it's really... Um, it's a it's a huge blessing to see how these kids have um, you know their resilience number one you know mm-hmm. they've they've um, come into a new culture um, and they've grown up in a new culture and they and and that's their own now they're American citizens and they um, love who they are but they they want to know w- more they want to know you know that piece that's missing so when you know when you say they're coming from all over um even though they they come from all over the world they still have the similar um needs Mm -hmm. yeah it's extraordinary we're talking with susan t boss uh you can find what we're talking about at her website susan t boss t-e-b-o-s Dot com. The book is We've Been There, True Stories, Surprising Insights, and Aha Moments for Adopted Teens. If you have an adopted teen, maybe you are an adoptee and you love to hear the stories of others to better understand your own, um, you know, your own feelings and thoughts and experiences and unanswered questions. This is a great book for all of that. And we're giving away copies today. So to enter that drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen, and you're listening to Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio's social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. Maybe you've been wondering if you're alone. Maybe you've been wondering if it's worth the risk of trusting again. Those are some of the conversations um, in this wonderful book by Susan T. Boss, 
We've been there. True stories, surprising insights, and aha moments for adopted teens. Um, yes, we're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Susan, when we're talking about acceptance or we're talking about trust <clears throat> and risking risking that or we're talking about the search for answers, what are some of the things that you've found, you know, just in your own experience with your own kids and certainly in the conversations that you've had with um, with others, what are some of the approaches that we might take entering into a conversation to sort of create enough safe space to even ask the kinds of questions that might provoke the kinds of uh, of conversations that you have had the privilege of having here? So um, parents, if you're talking about parents, how they can communicate with their um, sure. Their teens. That's a great place I to think, start. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that we have to be really mindful and intentional about connecting with them and not necessarily um, always trying to um, say things like, oh, I love you. It's going to be okay. It's it's more because then they might feel, oh, shoot, um, I've, now I feel guilty. You know, they might layer that one on because... I don't want to hurt my parents' feelings, but the reality is if we can connect well with our kids, with our teens, and, and that's not always easy because teens don't always give us a clue into what's going on inside their heads, you know, so so we have to be a, a bit like detectives, I guess, and trying to, to, to pay attention, but our hope is that by connecting with them and just saying, hey, it, it, it looks like Maybe you didn't have uh, a great day. What's going on? You know, just try try to use open-ended questions to try to um, give them confidence that you're not going to judge them or shut them down, and and that you will just listen and 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 listen not to fix, but listen to to just allow them to speak the words that need to to come up out of their hearts and to get out of them if you will and that that doesn't just happen one time it has to happen for some multiple times but they're looking to trust us as parents and um and that that's an important step if you can create that type of environment for your teen and young adult so um there is a um there's a there's a quote in here from Margot Starbuck and I find myself wondering do you guys know each other? <laughs> yes we she's, do. She's a friend of mine from graduate school and so I'm going to read Margot's Margot's been a guest on the show as well. So let me read Margot's quote. It's um it's at the introduction um uh of uh, of Susan's book and it says when you have the courage to look squarely at your losses and to grieve them, you're finally free to fully embrace the life you have today. As you do, um, know that you are not alone. The one, and that one is capitalized, who loves you is with you, uh, as is the great siblinghood of other adoptees. You, um, who, who you may not even know, but who share your journey. You can do this. So I love Margot Starbuck. Thank you so much for um, including that quote um, from her um, here in 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 the book, um, Susan. There there are people with whom we share the journey of life, and sometimes starting out, like we don't know their story, um, and then we get to know their story, and then as their story unfolds, other other stories are woven into that. So. 
kind of the way that God has knit and woven your family together and your life experience, and then the way you're helping us see the stories of others in this um, in this book. I just want to applaud that and celebrate that because I don't think everybody is well equipped in even how to ask the questions that you know we really do want to know. We want to know what people are feeling and what they're experiencing mm-hmm. and what their unanswered questions are, but we've been afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this book is going to be a wonderful tool, a resource for parents, um, grandparents. Um, I know our grandparents have read it and their eyes are just open. And I think it's um, a very simple, um, calming way to wrap your mind around what our kids might be going through. Not not all kids, again, um, go through anything extreme. Some just, um, you know, process easily or easier than others. But in the end, this book is, is so helpful because it it's a conversation starter. Um, I had one mom said to me that she was going to give it to her daughter who was adopted from Guatemala. And I believe her daughter's 17. And she was going to give her a little thing of post-it notes and just say, hey, as you're reading this, why don't you put a post-it note by the by the stories that resonate with you? And then when you're ready, if you want to talk through those stories, or we can just, you know, go one at a time or whatever. But she wasn't forcing the book on her child. Um, she was just kind of coming up with a way to say, hey, um, you know, I've got this great book. It has a lot of stories. Um uh, you know, uh, from kids that have been adopted, and um, yeah, check it out. You know, we're not gonna say you must read this, but you know, check mm-hmm. it out. And then if we give them ideas on how to pay attention to what's going on in the story, maybe a journal, again, the post-it note idea, something where they can start um, collecting what resonates with them, and, and that helps to process what's going on inside them. Yeah, I love that. And I love those little post-it notes that are almost like little flags. So it's, a, it's you know, and you, that way you oh, can, yeah. you, you can just mark a page and, um, and there are sometimes different colors. And so um, sometimes when we're mm-hmm. doing a book like that with our older teen, um, we'll say, all right, so, you know, like, let's, let's just all agree, we're going to put the green ones on things that we know we want to read with each other. And maybe we're going to use the red ones for things that we have questions about, or that cause us to feel certain things or whatever. So we do that as a little bit of a color coded approach to it, so that it makes it easier when we sit down together to, hey, let's just all flip to something that stood out to us as positive. Well, then I know I'm going to go to a green tab. Or mm-hmm. is there something that raised a question for you? Um, then, you know, that's going to be the, the, you know, whatever color it is that we've picked for that book for, for question mm-hmm. marks. So there you go. Just thoughts, thoughts. That's great. Susan, um, what a delight. Um, please, when you talk to Margo next, tell her Carmen said hi. I will. Thank you. Yeah, And if she knows, if she knows more than one Carmen, shame on her. I don't know what to even say about <laughs> that. But I... <laughs> yeah, she's a funny um, girl. She's wonderful, isn't she? I know. I totally yeah. I feel like I now want to send her some jeans to do something funky too at the bottom now that we've had this conversation. So <laughs> Susan, what a delight to make your acquaintance. Thank you so much for joining us today. You guys uh, need to visit with Susan online at her website, Susan T-Boss, T-E-B-O-S dot com. The book is We've Been There. You can, uh, you can enter the drawing for the copies we have to give away simply by texting the word book to 877-933-2484.
hey, people are facing all kinds of challenges today, so let's be um, let's be tending tenderly to one another. Let's slow down a little bit. You know, you get to an intersection, let somebody else go first, right? I don't know. Somebody's struggling. Somebody's struggling out there. Um, let's just be willing to make eye contact and tell folks it's going to be okay and ask how we can help or maybe just walk with them slowly across the street in the crosswalk. I don't know. Some act of service today on behalf of someone else that just reminds them that they're not alone and it's going to be okay. You're not alone. It's going to be okay. I know that sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but God's got this and God's got you and the Holy Spirit is available and we're in this together. Thanks so much for joining me today on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. we got a lot of things uh, posted for you, so check out the resources at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way, you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.